Hi guys, this is Emery Kittle. I'm here with Mike Deeth, and this is the seventh edition of the 12 Minute Dog Podcast. And Mike, what are we going to talk about today? You know, really, I thought we would kind of talk about separation anxiety, reactivity, and the world of COVID. Awesome. Well, let's get started. Okay. You know, as a dog trainer, I have been just busier than than all get out. Mm -hmm. And almost every case is coming in is complex reactivity on leash, growling, snarling, biting, fearful dogs, um, getting a ton of separation anxiety where they're tearing stuff up in the house. And, you know, it's really, these are all horrific behaviors for people to deal with. They're super frustrating. They're super scary. Uh, But the funny part is they're completely and totally avoidable if we if we do everything right so i guess one of the things i wanted to talk about today was make sure that the folks who are listening kind of know how to get started the right way and it all starts with let's let's look at this from the puppy perspective first so puppies have a really critical social development period that runs from let's say week three to about week 15 and you can probably stretch that social development period all the way out to week 20 But at week 15, that door is rapidly slamming shut. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that if we don't introduce the dog to novel stimuli, and what I mean is sights, sounds, smells, tastes, touch, you name it. But the weird stuff is let's, let's look at the things that dogs are normally spooky about. And that will be the idea of, let's say, men, um, guys with baseball caps, sunglasses, um, uniforms, the UPS, FedEx Mm -hmm. guy, anything new is kind of scary to a dog. Mm -hmm. Now, if we do it right as a puppy and we're getting all of these experiences based around getting cookies or treats or love or touch, and we make them all positive experiences, you end up with a dog who's pretty much bulletproof. Mm -hmm. But with the idea of COVID, we, we start talking about being isolated in the house. So when I, when I talk to somebody with a puppy, um, at KISS Dog Training, we have a socialization checklist that's like 160 some odd items long. And I tell people I want them to complete that list twice before the dog's 20 weeks old. Well, if you don't do that, you end up with a fearful dog. Mm-hmm. And this kind of brings us back to the idea of freeze, flight, fight. Okay, so a dog, if they're fearful, is going to try to get away. If they can't get away, they're going to maybe growl. They're going to then maybe snap. And even before the growl, there are other things that dog trainers look for, like a dog who's yawning or licking their lips or their ears are laid back or their tail is between their legs. Mm -hmm. There's lots of body language we can look at. But it all starts with fear. Everybody wants to call it aggression. I mean, I'll be honest. In 13 years, I've seen maybe two or three truly aggressive dogs, and it's always been a genetic, the dog was just not right in the head type situation. Almost every other one can go back to a lack of socialization, abuse, something like this but it's almost always that socialization thing and you think about what's been going on with covid no visitors in the house we're around the dogs 24 7 but they don't see anybody else we isolate in our house you know and so it's we, compounded it's all compounded mm-hmm. and now everybody's getting vaccinated the mask mandates are loosening up people are going out and now we've got this fearful fido who's not really sure about the world, and now we're starting to see behaviors where mom and dad are going, well, that wasn't the dog we wanted. And and that's kind of what's coming in on our end. Um, you know, it, it's just one of those things. It's really a shame 
you know, we should have been trying to sit out in the front yard and let the dog watch the world go by. We should have been wearing masks and still socializing the dog at places, taking them for walks, introducing them to people, doggy daycare. I mean, there's tons of things we could do. Um, and on the separation anxiety side, you know, we've got this situation where we lived in the world we were in instead of thinking about the world we were going to go back to. Mm-hmm. So lots of people are now going back to work, but they've just been 24-7 with the dog with no routine in the house, and now all of a sudden they just head back to work for six or eight hours a mm-hmm. day, and the dog is tearing up couches or destroying crates or chewing through walls or tearing up doors, but we really didn't do any groundwork. Yeah, it's a whole new world for him now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a whole new world for us. I mean, you know, I don't think anybody expected, you know, I I certainly didn't as a dog trainer that I would spend six months of my life doing virtual dog training on Zoom (laughs) and all these other platforms, but I did. Right. You know, and, you know, if people, you know, like, if if you've got a dog like this, we need to get them into the idea of nap time to where if you're working from home from eight to five, I might build up, and understand when I say build up, I don't expect you to throw your dog in a crate for an hour between 8 and noon, and then an hour between 1 and 5. We might start with 5 minutes in the crate Mm -hmm. in the morning, 5 minutes in the crate in the afternoon. Then we'll build it up to 7 minutes, 9 minutes. We're going to pair it with Kongs. We're going to feed the dog in the crate. We're going to teach the dog the skills of going in and out of the crate on command. This is not stuff you can just pop on a dog. Sure. But if we build these routines where the dog was used to being in the crate in the morning for a nap time, and the dog was used to being in the crate for a nap time, you know, in the afternoon, and maybe mom or dad would always leave the house and go get lunch around noon and put the dog in the crate, you would be building up this routine that being in the crate or being managed in an X-Pen or whatever you're going to use isn't something brand new and scary. Remember, anything new to a dog is scary. It's, right. it's neophobic. I mean, but we think it's weird, but to an animal, it's totally normal. If an animal isn't nervous or fearful around novel new things, they don't survive long in the wild. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's kind of like <laughs> we've kind of created a little bit of a feral animal syndrome with, mm. with, with this COVID kind of situation. Wow. That's really interesting. I've never thought about that before, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. You know, one thing I would really push is, I don't know how many people I've heard over the years say, I will never have a dog in my house that growls. Hmm. And I always think to myself, well, then do you just want a dog who bites first and asks questions later? You know, growling is a normal warning. You know, we have normal warnings as people and, you know, we can over we can overdo it. But, you know, if you tell a dog on a regular basis, no, no, bad dog, every single time you growl, they're just going to learn not to growl. And then the warning, just you know, we just took the safety off the gun is what we did. Mm-hmm. And now you've got a dog that will bite first and ask questions later. Mm, that's not good. So I think it's important to understand <clears throat> what all of this, what created all of it, what created the separation anxiety, what created the fear, what created the snarkiness. And if we can get a good grasp on that, then we can kind of t- start taking steps to what do we do to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the important thing to remember here is we have built a routine or an association which is really truly unhealthy for the dog. Now we have to counter condition. If we're going to counter condition, we need three things. We need short duration training, which means only 10 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. We need high frequency training, which means we're going to do it every single day. Mm-hmm. And the most important part that humans are terrible at is working under threshold, which means let's just use dog-dog reactivity. 
if I know my dog freaks out whenever they see another dog, I got to work at a distance the dog can handle. So I might have to start my training at 75, 80, 90 feet away from the other dog and practice my leave it command where the dog can reliably quit looking at that dog, look at me, and I can reward them. And then I'll go from 90 to 85, from 85 to 82, from 82 to 79. And then we might actually have pushed a little too far, so I might have to go back to 85 for a while. And it will be about every three to four days worth of training. I might, you know, bring the idea of moving in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But humans are always, oh, that was great. Let's see how much further we can push it. When you're working with a reactive dog, the minute you push to a point where they react and kind of freak out, you've wasted that entire training session. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like getting people to go slow enough is the key. Mm -hmm. You know, 90% of my job sometimes I think is doing nothing but making the criterion so simple that we can get started Mm -hmm. and then moving forward. Sure. So um, now I'm assuming you are doing this in a controlled environment, not like in an off-leash dog park. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No. Um, you know, I'll be honest. Uh, if there's one thing that irritates the crap out of me, and I'll, I, in fact, you know what? Stay tuned. He just gave me a great idea for what my my uh, trainer's rant will be today. <laughs> um, but a hint: it will be off-leash dogs. Um, but yeah, we are always using. I use a lot of long lines, mm-hmm. just 15 foot leashes to where I can give the dog enough freedom to move away from the scary thing or move towards the scary thing, but then I can start working on leave it, watch me commands, and I just, you know, it gives me the control of controlling the dog, but also gives the dog the ability to feel not confined. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes Newton's second law raises its ugly head in dog training where every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Right. As you pull on them, they pull back. If you pull, they, they explode, things like this. So you want to keep the leash as loose as possible. I wouldn't recommend trying the long line trick with a reactive dog by yourself. There's a lot of tricks to it. And a lot of times it might be a five session package that I'm working with a person. Mm -hmm. And we won't get out on the long lines until we've perfected the skills in the house. Then we perfect them in the backyard. Then we'll move to the driveway. Once we got the driveway, we'll start working out in front of the house a little bit. Then we'll actually go for a walk. But we'll walk for probably three or four weeks trying to avoid dogs before we ever actually add dogs to really practice with. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's again, all about keeping things under threshold is, right. is really the key. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure consistency is huge too. You know, um, it, it's, it's kind of a sarcastic way of putting it, but people will ask me all the time, how many dogs have failed my training? And I say almost none. And they get all excited. And I said, but you didn't ask me how many humans fail my training. <laughs> and, and that is a much higher number of people. Um, well, it's the same reason why we're not good at um, New Year's resolutions mm-hmm. or dieting or working out or anything or quitting smoking. Sure. Um, we're great at starting things. We just, we're kind of lousy at finishing them. Yeah. Um, so again, getting the criterion so simple that, hey, let's just do 15 minutes in the morning. Let's do 15 minutes in the evening. If we do it for a solid 30 days, we'll see a little improvement and then mm-hmm. we can work. Um it's way better to socialize a puppy the right way the first time and mold them into the, the, the perfect little puppy that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, if you find yourself in this boat where you have kind of missed out on that socialization, you really can't ever go back and get it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that we can't manage, modify, improve, and make the situation better. But all we've done is raise the threshold. It's kind of like saying if somebody goes to anger management class, they no longer have anger. Mm-hmm. They've just learned to control it. But if you push their buttons, they're going to go back to what they know. <laughs> Crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's one of those, a dog always has the possibility of, you know, relapsing mm-hmm. into reactivity, but that's only when we push them into a situation they can't handle. Right. 
So, and I love your list. I absolutely do. You said 160. Can you give me a, like a let's tell the audience a, a few of the things that are on there? Cause so, uh, people. I think that's the hardest one. Is okay. I want uh, men and women. Obviously, I want short and tall. I want um, skinny, heavy. I want glasses, no glasses, beard, no beard, smokers, non-smokers, because they definitely smell different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, perfume, somebody who uses way too much perfume, somebody who doesn't use any perfume. Um, deodorant, heavy, heavy, different things. If we notice the smell, the dog is going to notice mm-hmm. it even 10 times more. Yeah. Uniforms, I think, are really important. Mm-hmm. Um, one, a couple of things on the list are take them to the fire department, take them to the police department, let them meet those people in uniforms and get treats. And this is all, keep in mind, puppy training. Yes. I wouldn't recommend taking it 18 month old dog into the fire department and having a whole bunch of uniformed fire department fire people come running out at your dog that would be that over threshold thing we're talking so there's a big difference between how we train an adult dog and how we're training a puppy but when it comes to puppies it's all about introducing um the vacuum cleaner Mm -hmm. you know get the treats out when you're vacuuming Mm -hmm. power tools lawnmowers uh paper bags or plastic bags that you snap freak dogs out you know a lot of times you snap at the dog freaks out and i'll just drop the treat the 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 bag on the ground throw treats on it and let the dog recover and come experience and check things out Mm -hmm. stairs can be funky Mm -hmm. for dogs as puppies um you want to make sure the dog can walk on different kinds of substrate walk on concrete walk on dirt walk on mulch walk on you know any different even uneven rocks Mm -hmm. grates grates are weird yeah um most of my dogs eventually end up doing some kind of therapy work so elevators are really important for me to as their puppies get them on an elevator and give them treats while they're going up and down because trust me that's a weird experience for a dog that's another (laughs) thing that's on the list um but it's it's ridiculous the pizza delivery guy i mean i can just keep going on as my brain remembers them but it's just anything we can do to teach that dog that this novel new world is safe and accommodating place so basically bring your dog with you yeah yeah if you want your dog to be bulletproof Mm -hmm. you have to train the dog in all environments yeah so if you want your dog to be good in all environments well you better have practiced in all environments Mm -hmm. and you start easy and you get more and more complicated yeah um but that was my 12 minutes yeah uh, we're, we're going to probably probably backtrack to some of these topics but i thought it was important especially with kind of us seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with mm-hmm. COVID, that let's let's look at maybe what we've done wrong and maybe kind of think about what we can do to help these dogs out of these situations. Mm-hmm. All right. So your trainer's tip for the day, that's going to be coming up. What, do you know what that's going to be? Yes. It, well, I, I did. What did I tell you it was going to oh, be? Oh, that for your rant? Yes, my okay. rant. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I know if you were going to do both. I told you. No. So it was off leash. Oh, dogs being off leash. Yes, mm-hmm. that will be that will be the rant and the tip of the day. All right. And mine is going to be about a study that's come out. It's really interesting. It's about gut health and behavior in your pets. So what you do feed your pets really makes a difference. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, that is one thing that people, you know, it's, it's the old computer saying garbage in, garbage out. Yep. That's it. All right. Well, thanks, Mike. Thank Um, you. As always, you know, you can always reach out to us. Mike, what is your email address or the best way to get a hold of you? Mike at KissDogTraining.com or you can do info at KissDogTraining.com. One thing I think it would be kind of cool if you are actually listening to this podcast out in that uh, wonderful world of the Internet, um, start start leaving some comments for us. Let us know what topics you want to hear. Mm -hmm. And we would love to cover them. Yep, whether it's dog training, pet nutrition, you let us know. It can even be something a little bit outside of the realm. We'll find a guest. Yep, as long as it's related to dogs. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, thank you guys. My name is Emery. You can find me at nskansascity.com. That's our website. Or you can email me at emery, E-M-E-R-Y, at nskansascity.com. Thanks and have a great day. See you guys. Let's take a minute to meet our sponsors. If you love the topics you've been listening to, remember, Mike has written tons of books on dog training and all are available on Amazon.com. Just search the name Mike Deeth, D-E-A-T-H-E. They are available in audio, ebook, and print. And now back to the podcast. Mike from Kids Dog Training again. Uh, today I'm going to kind of combine a trainer's tip and a rant at the same time. Uh, we were talking today about some of the issues in dogs and reactivity and aggression that we're seeing because of COVID. And a lot of the work that I'm doing is actually working with leash reactive dogs. It is amazing how many people I'm seeing with their dogs off leash. Okay. We have leash laws for a reason. Now, hey, look, I like my dogs to have freedom. I want them to be able to sniff. I want them to be able to be dogs. And this is one of the reasons why I will use just a 15-foot leash, which gives them plenty of space to get around me, but I still have control over the dog. Um, Everybody and their uncle who's watched four episodes of whatever dog training show on whatever science channel kind of feels that they have trained their dog well enough to be off leash. And if I'm a dog trainer who's owned my own business for 13 years and I don't trust my dogs enough to be off leash, I think it's the responsible thing to do. Um, I don't know anybody really should. Um, I don't know how many times that I see somebody's dog off leash running at another dog on leash and they're screaming and waving their hand going, don't worry, my dog is friendly, only to hear the immortal words out of the other person, but mine's not. You know. I guess instead of thinking about yourself and your dog off leash, think about the dogs who are on leash. They could be reactive dogs. They could be dogs that have extreme fear issues. Uh, We can't isolate those dogs in the house and just never let them out of the house. These people may be out working the dog and your dog off leash is going to put their dog so many more weeks or months behind in training if they tussle not to mention if your dogs do get in a tussle and your dog gets hurt and your dog's off leash and my dog isn't it's your fault legally and responsibility but you've also you know backslid that dog in training so far so i guess everybody take a deep breath we're already all charged you know coming out of this covid thing but we have leash laws for a reason let's keep our leashes on the dogs Um, And if you want to give them a little bit more freedom, go to a little longer leash. I'm not the biggest fan of retractable leashes, uh, but I would even be happier to see a dog on a retractable leash than I would be loose. So um, that is my rant. That is my training tip. Do the right thing. Wear a leash and be a nice person. And we'll talk to you guys later. There's a reason why the only dry food we carry is Nature Select. It's because we feel it is the healthiest, most nutritious pet food for your pet. After 27 years, it's never been recalled and has only gotten better with time. We love it and we know your pet will too. Free home delivery from your favorite local pet food supply.
Hey guys, it's Emery with Nature Select Pet Food, and now it's time for the nutritional nugget. All right, today we're going to be talking about the connection between gut health and behavior. And I've been talking for a long time about how your immune system is tied to your gut. If you have healthy gut flora, you will probably have a pretty healthy immune system. So there's a new study out by UCLA that's really fascinating, and it talks about how diet can really affect this problem that they're showing where parts of your brain are being destroyed by bacterial toxins from your gut. So in a nutshell, if you are feeding your pet or you yourself actually are eating high sugar, high carb processed foods, what can happen is kind of similar to leaky gut syndrome. These bacterial toxins called lipopolysaccharides can actually move into your brain and affect the part of your brain that produces serotonin and dopamine. So those are the feel-good hormones and those are things that give you like a sense of well-being and it destroys that and if you don't get those, if you don't have those, you kind of become a little bit like a zombie. Now I'm not saying your dog is going to want to feast on your brain, but it can affect aggression and it can affect a lot of things emotionally with your pet. So how do you avoid this? Well, I would avoid any white potatoes in foods. I would avoid foods that are high in carbs. I would avoid foods that have tapioca in them. I would also avoid any brand of food that, that messes around with ingredient splitting of grains. There's no need for that. So what else can you do to help with this? Well, those bacterial toxins can be destroyed and can be lowered by making sure that you've got a good balance of probiotics in your in your pet's gut. How do you get those? Well, for one, if you've had to give your dog antibiotics for anything, that will absolutely destroy the good bacteria in your pet's gut. So how do you get it back? Well, a good quality food will have probiotics and prebiotics in it. So probiotics are best if they are the ones that are refrigerated. They'll have much higher colony count, but a good quality dog food that's fresh will also have a, a good amount of probiotics. And how you can make those flourish is making sure that your pet food has prebiotics as well. That's basically fertilizer for your probiotics. That is an inulin or chicory root. If you see those in your pet's food, that's really good. You can also give your dog yogurt. That's great. Uh, another thing is I really recommend raw food. Even if you can't afford to do that all the time, I do recommend in feeding raw food at least once every four days. That helps with not just your, your pet's dental health, but it also really helps with the uh, gut health as well. All right, well, I could geek on about this for quite a while, but in a nutshell, if you feed healthier pet foods, your dog will be healthier. It's real simple, but it's really hard to know what pet foods are the best. So please reach out and we can help with that. We aren't going to try to push you on a certain brand, but we're going to tell you more about what is good and what isn't. So that's it for me. Have a wonderful day. Because I mentioned feeding yogurt, there is one thing I need to add. If your yogurt has xylitol in it, make sure you do not feed that to your pets. Xylitol is in some versions of yogurt now, and it is absolutely deadly to pets. So look on the back of your ingredient list and make sure there is no xylitol in your yogurt.